0: I think it's going to rain
1: and then it's going to stop. This is I Am a Griefist, a childhood cancer grief journey podcast.
0: All right, we are back recording. Whoa, last week was tough, but. It's always tough to hear the stories like that. I but know. And for me, it's because it's always a reminder of all the stuff that we went through. Very
1: similarly, too. Yeah. So... We have Roxanne back with us to continue mm-hmm. sharing her grief journey. So, Roxanne, thank you again for just, you know, your vulnerability and sharing such intimate details. Okay. We'd like to continue to hear, you know, how you coped immediately thereafter. You had mentioned, you know, like DJ asked, you know, where his brother is. So what was that like having to move immediately thereafter?
2: So I think that if it weren't for my daughter I probably would not have gotten out of bed. Yeah. He was seven months old. TJ was 22 months old. He was in the toddler bed. So, you know, he could go get his diaper and bring it to me, and I could change his diaper or whatever. You know, he could do that. He could talk. Sure, I still had to feed him, but if it was just him, I, it would have been so easy just to stay in bed all day mm, long. Yeah. You know? Yeah, my daughter from then until today, is still, you know, the one that is more of a challenge and challenging me. So I had to get out of bed because of her. Mm-hmm. And it was hard because then, you know, then it comes a time, well, now you got to get back to work. Well, what are you going to do? Well, it's ridiculous to put two kids under, you know, a two-year-old and a one-year-old in daycare. That costs a ridiculous right. amount of money. So I decided to become a daycare provider, which was very short lived because what was in demand? People to care for children two and under. So I was caring for four children two and under, stuck in the house 10 hours a day, and seemingly actually only making 250 an hour. So wow. there's not a mm-hmm. way.
1: Oh my gosh.
2: So I ended up going to work at a hospital, children's after hours clinic, so that we didn't have to put the kids in daycare, but we did a handoff. Uh, three days out of the week, I was out the door at four as my husband was walking in. Here's the kids, here you go. Um, and then also working weekends. But my hours during the week were from 5 p.m. to 1 a.m. And when I got home, I wasn't exactly tired and they were awake at 6. So there was just many days I was just like, with one eye open, trying to watch them, watch Blue's Clues or whatever. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs>
2: yep. I think that, you know, the the succinct answer to your question is just for me to survive we always had to find something to do to keep busy Mm -hmm. keep moving I will say that hospice offered five counseling sessions okay which I went to you know was a challenge because there could be a day that you know I could get through it and just you know cry all day long and still be able to talk to you and other times where I was just like the yeah <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: you can't you can't even tell somebody what's wrong yeah uh, you know and you, you plan something but then all of a sudden you're like I, haven't even, I can't even brush my teeth
1: yes.
2: So there were definitely those days I did the counseling that's all the counseling I did. hindsight I probably should have done more even today done more with my husband mm-hmm. because up until the point that ryan died we were together moving grooving i don't know how we did it but we did it getting him where he needed to go after that men and women handle grief differently this is my experience yes he's a fixer mm-hmm. gosh i don't you know calling him text um, not texting him paging him Jake paging him one day we had brought his ashes home and they were in a plastic box there was a ledge above his closet we weren't quite sure what we wanted to do next with mm-hmm. the ashes well one day I got the bright idea that I would open the box and look inside I don't recommend that because I lost it mm-hmm. see the fragments in there the fragments of bone in there mm-hmm. so my sister-in-law called and I was in the boo, 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 boo. So she comes running over to my house and then calls my, and then pages my husband, you know, like a 911. She's like, I can't do this. I I have, I have to work. I can't, you know, deal with this. And then all, and then there was a time when all of a sudden, Wednesdays, Wednesdays were hitting me. I would just go into a funk on Wednesdays and I didn't know why. Nothing had to do with Wednesday for me. Mm. He was diagnosed on a Friday. We got the final thing on a Friday. He died on a Sunday. Well, I was just impeccable with those dates. And those dates stuck with me every year, year after year, for a number of years. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. Including, he died on Palm Sunday. Mm-hmm. Palm Sunday was bad for me for a number of years. Now, Palm Sunday can come and go, and I don't think of, oh, well, this is the day that Ryan died. That's what you asked about. What does grief look like 25 years later? So, for me, it's I, Palm Sunday doesn't affect me like it did in 1997.
1: Okay.
2: Seeing those Easter lilies, I want to run from them. I hate them because people thought it was a good idea after died to give us Easter lilies. He mm. like, died a week before Easter. I didn't even know what to do. We did the, you know, coloring the eggs and all that, but the kids were little. They were little, so they didn't, it didn't matter. So I didn't do counseling. I probably should have. Mm-hmm. Kept myself busy, work as the kids grew up, just get being involved with TJ and his sports my husband became the coach. I became the coach's mom.
0: Um, he joined
2: football. They had a cheerleader. They were starting cheerleaders. Oh, great. Let me volunteer to be the head cheerleader coach. You know, do little n- halftime numbers. I don't know what I was thinking of that. But
0: <laughs> <laughs> I
2: filled the time. So I guess I would say we have constructively filled our time with helping others, being the coaches and all that, and after he died, going back to Children's Hospital and donating platelets. Nice. So we would do that, donating platelets, donating blood. Now, there was a point in time, my husband says that I was talking about, why am I here? He's not. And that's not to say that I would think about suicide, but I certainly would think about, well, if I just go take a bath, what if I were to fall asleep and what if I were to die? Would that be so awful? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't be so awful for me. But certainly would be awful for my kids, my husband, and everybody else, right? Yeah. I think mm-hmm. you, you guys touched on that, but not the thoughts of suicide ideation, I think, because if you're having that, definitely get help. Right. If you are right, having right, those, right. those thoughts of really cutting yourself and killing yourself, get help. Mm-hmm. Right. But the, the thoughts of, gosh, I know I have two kids here, and it seems wrong that I really wish I was with the one that's in heaven. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there was a time where, I don't know, I was getting, like, Wednesday, Wednesday, and my husband's was like, why? Why is it a Wednesday? Why, we need to figure it out so we can fix it. And I'm like, no, no, you don't need to fix it. You just need to listen to me mm-hmm. and comfort me and hug me. That's what a woman wants man wants stuff. We have figured out why, why is it happening. Right, mm-hmm. it can't be fixed. That's why I didn't think that counseling would work for me. I did, however, though, was really intrigued with mediums and started getting. Oh, uh, I want to talk about mediums. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a hot topic. <laughs> so I, I am. Way of listening to your podcast of where you talked about doing all that and this is me when I talk about me I'm like Wait to go see mediums mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I could do back in 1996-97 is just watch John Edwards oh, yes. yes.
0: so John Edwards is one of the you ones that I was the like first ones yes, we been that we were like, looking into yeah. and trying to read his books and He has CDs out that we would listen to, but I think he was really convincing too. Like
1: he was for me more like the originator, like the Sylvia Brown, the John Edwards. But I, I, I wasn't so convinced with Sylvia Brown, but John Edwards. He was always, yeah, Yeah. he was always like, no, we're not making that fit. Give me something
0: else, you know, because he, he just made it feel. He did. He he just made it seem like it was really, really. Uh It's so (laughs) expensive. Have you looked into that? (laughs)
2: Well yeah, that's probably why I never gone the <laughs> So ever.
0: expensive. I'm like, ooh, yeah. Is, you know, ah, okay.
2: Watch over and over, you know, what I forget which channel he was on that I was able to watch the shows over and over, read the books, go on the websites, um, take the advice. How can I have that type of experience and connection? How can I do it? Fingers. I do it? <laughs> Dream. Dreams, right? Yes. Oh, so very, very early on. I recall that I had two dreams and I don't recall having dreams after that of being with him. In one dream, my cousin who died from suicide was also there with him. And the the weird part for me and the kind of the frustrating part for me about the dreams is the lack of communication. It seems to be all done like mentally Mm. and feelings, just getting feelings. Mm -hmm. So this is, this is what I was taken away with, with those dreams is that he was smiling. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: He was happy.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: I think in one, I I got to hug him, but I couldn't feel Uh. that physical hug. You know what I mean? Where Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, I'm hugging you, but uh, I don't know. It's hard to, hard to describe. So for me, those are the only two times that I can feel like I'm seeing you. Other times, I don't know if it's real or I'm just trying to make myself feel better. And that is in regards to me in music.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, I mean, who who does that? When you're, you're in your car, you're driving down the car and you hear this this song that's not fitting with what's going, you know, the songs that they're playing. That's a song you need to hear at that time. Yes. Yeah. Right? It yes. could be yes. with you or... Uh, his classmates did an art project and every year the outgoing sixth grade class would do some sort of art project that would remain at the school. So theirs that year was each kid took a part of the letter that spelled out physical education and drew something to fit with it. Brian's um, contribution to that was he was drawing a football field. Well he didn't get finish drawing it and he didn't get to paint it on the wall in the school so his classmates did that for him and Mm -hmm. so they dedicated that to him in his memory and they had a little ceremony in regards to that and the kids sang angels among us by alabama but of course every time i hear that song then that goes back to that and also so while we're keeping ourselves busy you know doing this and that there are two days out of the year where i think as a family we all pause to remember him and that's his birthday and i call i call it death day i don't know people have probably nicer ways but i just call it death day mm-hmm. so when the kids were really young we would just start and we would pollute the environment with balloons
0: <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> jess's words <Yeah. laughs>
2: oh yeah <laughs> Oh, we did that at his funeral, and we would do that. I think it was birthday, is we would do that. We have done it on the death day, too, is take some balloons and, you know, write on them mm-hmm. and let them go. And then we also go to a Chinese food restaurant. So we that's what the family does here and even in California. Go to a Chinese food restaurant. He had a favorite one here in Colorado, so we would go to that. So we've always done that, even if I'm sitting there with... Tears Running down my face as I'm eating fried pot stickers, <laughs> you know. And I don't know how many times we've gone there, and I don't know, does anybody else do this? We know that we're gonna go have Chinese food for her birthday or stuff day, but we don't talk about him, we don't talk about our feelings. When my husband was like, Would you like to say something before we start? And I'm just like, I'm trying not to cry. So I was like, Here's to Ryan, you know, something lame, but. <laughs> Just have a hard time with talking about it, talking about him. I think we have an easier time talking with strangers at those moments when we feel safe to do so.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: When you talk about the whole, how many kids do you have? I could tell you that there were a few times that I said two instead wow. of three. Mm-hmm. And then afterward, felt like I was betraying him. Yeah, yeah. But at that moment, I didn't want to get into yes. it with that right yes person so the easiest shortest answer is two i i don't want to talk to you about it Mm -hmm. other people that didn't even know him i have one friend didn't even know him every morning death day birthday hers is the first text that comes in through thinking about you and ryan today and i think another thing 25 years later is that you feel alone in those days because you because people are not remembering him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe they are, but they're not saying anything. Right. So I would encourage people to don't be afraid to bring that up. If you have a if something happens, you with your twenty-threes, your if you see twenty-three to reach out, you know, to hey, I saw twenty-three today. Yes. Mm-hmm. Be afraid. To tell the mom, hey, so Mama Jess, oh, you know, I saw this 23 Don't be afraid. I, that Those would be my words of encouragement mm-hmm. is don't be afraid to bring up her name. Don't be afraid that you are going to upset her. Because at this point, there are just so many people that you think that have forgotten. Yeah. So what can you do to remind them and keep them? And you know what? We started doing fundraisers for Give Kids the World, and it actually started back in 2014. We had moved from Colorado to Florida. I was having daily migraines, and for some reason the humidity was helping me. Oh. So my husband, the Die Hard Broncos fan, season to get older. He moved us to Florida. At this point, our son is a sophomore in college. Our daughter is gonna be a freshman in college. And I said, I'm not leaving you behind in Colorado. You're coming with us. You have to come with us. That was probably like the thousandth time I've ruined her life. <laughs> 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 we made her move to Florida. But now what happens? So now it's 2013. We're in Florida. We're an hour and a half from Give Kids the World. So... 18 years later, after being there, we went to a 5K. I've never been to a 5K in my life. I hate exercising. I hate, <laughs> hate it. But the world is having a 5K. Huh. All right. Let's go. So we did, and it was festive and fun. So after that, you know, I'm looking like ways to help. How can we help? So we signed up to be volunteers.
0: Uh-huh.
2: We uh, became volunteers in there it was our role we felt was to make sure that the families were having the most fantastic time that we did. We were not there to share our story with any of them. And I haven't until only with one family after the fact, but it was, it's just so fun to be there. Now, I can tell you the first time we were going to go there, I was like, okay, I can't keep it together. I can't cry. You know, what's it going to be like going back there without him? Mm-hmm. So we did that. And then we started doing their annual gingerbread run. They changed it from gingerbread run to Church for Hope. Now it's back to gingerbread run. So getting a team together. So I started putting it out there let's get a team together our team name is ryan cavillo always in our hearts and so we either go in person or we participate virtually and i think what we've been doing that since 2015 so we've raised about twenty thousand dollars
1: wow
2: so i'm getting ready to do there it happens in november so i'm getting ready to do our um our team again and start fundraising again
1: fundraising sucks yeah yeah
2: so hard to ask people for money. Mm-hmm. I hate it. Mm-hmm. But when I can say I've raised $20,000 and wow somebody and wow myself and feel good and pay it forward, it's worth it. Yes. But I hate asking people for money. I'm with mm-hmm. you. I'm with you. So when we were living in Florida, Give Kids a World put out, put out a call. They said, look, when girls come here and they want to be a princess for a day, we usually send them to Disney. However, there are times where they're booked or whatever. So we're going to train some people to do that. And I thought okay, I'll do it. So I went and they had this class on how to do the hair and to princess hair and, you know, do the braids and put in the sparkly things and, you know, mm-hmm. use the glitter and do all that. So it was actually like a month later and they said, look, we have somebody coming in. I said, no, can't do it. I'm, I'm working during the week. Then they said, okay, well, then the next week was, well, we have somebody coming in on Saturday. I volunteered and I did it. It was a little girl who was seven years old who had a Wilms tumor.
1: Stop it. Stop I didn't it. tell you this ahead of time, but I knew this.
2: <laughs> yeah. But this was December 2015. Oh, wow. So I had to Google her name. They told me her name. So I Googled her name and found that they had been doing a fundraiser. So I knew that she had, you know, kidney cancer. So what they did was um, they blocked off the Lati daspa. So I got to go in there and when she came, her hair was just, it was just starting to grow out. So there was no beautiful braid for me to braid. Now what do I do? And here's another thing too. I don't know what I was thinking because I can't even paint my own nails. I get polish all over the nails, all over the fingers and all that. What am I doing? So here she was. So I said, okay, what would you like to do? You know, put her in the chair, put the cape around her. You know, what would you, what, what could we do? My nails painted. Okay. And she was very soft spoken. Very soft spoken.
0: Right? It's, so yeah, it's, it's so similar. Yeah. It sounds just like the baby. Yeah.
2: So I painted her nails and then I said, okay, do you want me to put some makeup on? You? How about some sparkles in your hair? Okay. Mm-hmm. She's not in it's said, okay. She said, Now, I also want you to make my sisters a princess, too, which I was not prepared for at all. They were five years old and two years old. I said, okay. So in the lobby area, we had the family set up to put on Frozen. So Frozen was playing, you know, because that was a big Mm -hmm. deal then. So the mom was there, so I did not really touch the mom or dad. So after I you know, escorted the wish child over to the uh, nail drying station to do the fingers. Then I called the other child up. Now the other child, she had long hair. And so I was, how would you like your hair done? Thank God she didn't say uh, Elsa braid because I don't know if I could have pulled it off. Coneytail, like, I could do that. So I did that. And so she's sitting there and she says, I just want to tell you, my little sister, she's a handful. I'm like, Holy crap, this child is five. They were so well-behaved. So so then the two-year-old comes up, and I'm like, well, how am I going to do this? So I said, okay, I'm going to put a towel across your lap, and you just put your hands on your lap. Okay. So she picked out purple nail polish. So I'm painting her tiny little nails. Mm. And then all of a sudden, she goes like this, and she reaches up, and she scratches her face. And now she's got purple nail polish in her face. (laughs) i like, holy crap how do i get this off well, i can't do the mom spit on her she's not no. my kid you know where you, <laughs> you put your spit on your yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i could keep it together because you know this is make a make-a-wish yeah <laughs> it's gonna be perfect so i don't remember how i did it like took some a uh, paper towel or cute tip or something was, you know got off so they even provided a little tiara so the wish girl you know the wish kids they all they brought their dresses so that afterwards she was going to put on her tiara then put on her dress and then go to disney mm-hmm. so a few years later i thought what happened to her well she she passed mm-hmm. she passed in 2017 and i reached out to the mother and uh, the father and they actually have created a little foundation. It, it amazes me, the people that can immediately go into, well, I'm going to create a foundation in mm-hmm. my child's name. And we're going to do this, this, and this. And I'm like, I can't even keep my snot from running down my face. Right. Or being a foundation. Holy moly. And they've done it. So, but what they do basically is that there are so many kids that spend birthdays and holidays in the hospital that they create these little fun bags. So they raise money and put together these bags and deliver them to the hospitals the mm. kids that are So it's very, very sweet. I'm amazed at those families that are able to do
1: that. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. <laughs> do you still do the run? Yes,
2: the next run is this November. I just signed up. We just moved. So I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it, but shoot, it's August and it's November. Yeah, yes, I'm going to be doing it. What we do is... People that join our team, I have t-shirts made. For the first two years, we were tie-dyeing t-shirts, you know, so we could stick out in the crowd. Sure. 11 of us there in beautiful purple tie-dye shirts. And people always comment on the shirts. Oh, I love your shirts. Yeah, we tie-dye them. So we did that for a few years where we tie-dyed the shirts and we would show up. And there was one year, 2016, our kids joined us and it was their first 5k so it was just the four of us that went and we ran and we had our pink tie-dye shirts and after the run we were walking around you know we were showing them give kids the world the villa that we stayed in uh, sadly they plowed it down and put in a pool so we can't go back um. to that villa that we stayed at because i was looking for the number I have a, a photo of him in front of a villa number i forget what it was I'm like, why can't I find this billet? There's a pool here now. What happened? Oh. So we went into the castle. Now, the castle at Give Kids the World is a place where there is a star in the ceiling for yes. every wish yes. child that's been there since ni- they started. They found it in 1986, right? Wow. So we went in there and we're walking around, and I said, Oh, what are you doing? So our son was here in uh, 1996. Oh, would you like to see a star? I'm like, Oh, yeah, I'd like to see a star. So they located the star. It's 20 years later. They have a bookkeeping system. Yeah. So then they just shine this green light up into the ceiling and they say, There it is.
1: Like I'm and, gonna cry. And then
2: they took a picture of it and they showed me the picture. And the picture, which I did not remember, and here it is twenty years later. He had written his name on that star and I was blown away. I'm like, it says Ryan, one fourteen ninety six. I don't remember that. That was the wow. day that we, that was the day we left. When did he do that? I didn't remember that, right? With our memory, we don't all remember things. So in that moment, see his star 20 years later. Oh my gosh, just takes you straight back yeah. to the grief, you know, the, the punch of the gut, yeah. the, the heaviness on the chest where you're convinced you're having a heart attack, but yeah. you're not just heavy, heavy grief. So I am grateful. I think that's when I started keeping up my fundraising efforts. His name and his star will be there forever. Yeah. Forever. And it was such a great memory and such a great week because we could now, during that time between prognosis and death, he got his wish and it was a happy time.
1: Yeah. We have an interesting story about that star too. You? Yeah. So we have a picture of, I think she's pointing at her star on the ceiling. Mm-hmm. But when we went to see Teresa Caputo, who's the Long Island medium at her show, she came locally to one of the local casinos. And I think we've talked about this on one of the other episodes. But She was saying things very specific about us, but wasn't talking to us. So that's part of the events that the mediums have work is, although they might not be speaking directly to you, you can still connect and resonate to what they're saying through other families' readings. And so it was strange though because she kept talking to people about things that related to us. Right. And then once she was sort of in our area of the venue, she asked specifically, okay. "I'm seeing a star up on a ceiling somewhere. Who connects to that?" Right. you know? And we were like,
0: Hello? But us. Everybody else though. <laughs> Everybody's just even if they no. don't connect. No.
1: no On that call. one, nobody raised their hand. But we were too far away from her for oh. her to talk to us. So I was like desperate aggressively waving my hand. That's us. But she didn't come talk to us. But that star, star I think it's just so emotional that Mm -hmm. to to even hear you talk about it for me, just to go, that's going to be there forever. She's going to be there forever. And thinking about going back, because we've talked about thinking about going back and doing a volunteer, whatever, while we're there, because it was such a great experience for her as well. And I have a hard time thinking about what that might be like, knowing yeah. that she was there, like just her presence was in this place. She had such an amazing time. Yeah. But for me, emotionally being in that space. So and I can completely connect to what you've been yeah. saying, but that star is so significant in this journey of ours as well.
2: Yeah. It's amazing when, um, you know, you see the updates of just go in there and look at all the space that they're created to add more stars. Just the work that they continue to do. Oh, yeah. Just out of the dreams and uh, of one man, yeah. one man who's an Auschwitz survivor. Whoa. Who was a, he was an Auschwitz survivor, he and his sister, and he was a hoteler. Hotel, I don't know how to say that. He got a degree in hotel management, I believe, yeah. in Florida. Uh-huh. And he was. At a hotel of me contacted him and said, hey, do you have room for this child? And um, they could not provide accommodations in time before she passed away. So from that, he vowed that no child would be without accommodations. Wow. Yeah. And from there, Give Kids the World started where they coordinate with WISH communities all over the world.
1: Amazing. All
2: over the world, we have the pleasure of meeting people from the U.K., from australia and i would just because a family from hawaii i said you live in hawaii and you come to florida for your wish and grandma was there with them and at the time we were, got the honor of working in the ice cream shop and so she says we've come here every day for ice cream
1: mm-hmm. and,
2: and she says i have to get ice cream one more time from your I said, what can I get you? You know, she just simply wanted to come. But they have the machines where you can make milkshakes. And I was so excited because I've never made a milkshake before oh. those machines. <laughs> it's like professional. Yeah. But you know, it's an art getting the, the right ratio between the ice cream and the milk, right? Mm. So those are the ways that we've been able to give back. This year was the twenty fifth anniversary of him passing away. And there have been wow. times over the years where I've learned that there was one year in particular, I thought, well, I'll just ignore the day. I don't know why, I just thought, I'm, I'm just gonna let it be a normal day. Well, it was a huge mistake. I think I ended up getting sick or something like that. So then from then on, I decided, okay, for the death day or even his birthday, We need to plan to do something. Even if the plan is to do nothing, if you plan to do nothing, then okay. So for the 25th, I thought, okay, what are we going to do? So we actually encouraged people to donate blood, to donate blood or donate platelets. We were doing that after he was diagnosed, we were donating platelets, but three years after he was diagnosed, I was diagnosed with thyroid cancer. So that was another Whole way to get your mind off of grief wow. is, dealing, is dealing with your own cancer diagnosis and treatment and all that. And I, I can say that that one year was the first year was very very tough, but nothing compared to what he went through. Right. However, I was told thyroid cancer is the best cancer to have.
0: Oh, good lord! <laughs> when will it end?
2: <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Story and I and I would just cringe. I'm like, okay, well, I have two little kids that are five and four, and now you're telling me that I've got to go have surgery where you're going to take my thyroid out, and then I've got to go through radioactive iodine, where I have to be isolated from them for a week and hope to God that I don't contaminate them with radiation. So this year, I said, okay, we're going to donate blood. If you don't do not want to donate blood, because my son TJ said, I will do anything. If I don't have to donate blood, I I hate needles. Oh. He's 26 years old. And I I said, okay, all right. Well, then donate to Make-A-Wish. Oh. That's what he did. So I asked my daughter, because I looked at your questionnaire, you know, how how has that affected you? She immediately had an answer. I asked my son, and he's more quiet and reserved, and he didn't have an answer, but I can tell you. I said, well, how did it affect you? She said, well, we always kept his memory alive. And I said, oh, and I don't know if that, you know, it has to do with making sure we did something on the birthday, um, volunteering at Give Kids the World. Her and I got to volunteer at Gift Kids the World because I made her go to college in Florida. She became a volunteer, and there was one year where we were apart. I think it was either Easter or Thanksgiving, and it was Thanksgiving. And instead of just staying home alone, she went to volunteer and give kids a little Thanksgiving. Aww. So that's what they've done. Now my son is more quiet and reserved. He will do the donations. He is a partner in help with St. Jude's. Oh. So he will do monthly donations in his in his brother's honor. I've also seen little things on Instagram about posting ugh, that one song from Kenny Chesney really hits home. It's who you'd be today. Hmm. And that one, he posted about that one, you know, about, gosh, you know, he just was out on having a big brother all of those years. Yeah. Other ways that I'm grieving though now is he would have been 35 years old and, you know, his friends have kids and I'm not a grandma. I'm waiting. We recently bought a house that has a playground in the background for my grandkids, but they're nowhere in sight.
0: Yeah.
1: I was born in eighty-five. So when you're telling your story, I'm just like that. That was me. Right. Yeah.
2: You could be my daughter. Yeah.
1: You
2: yeah. Eighty-five, yeah, great yep. Wow. So I do have some suggestions on what not to do. The things that I don't I still need to work on twenty five years later. That is the communication between my husband and I and the grieving and we should have, and maybe it's not too late to do so, to go to counseling, to have some, a neutral party because I don't know about anybody else, but sometimes, you know, when we're talking about it, it just gets into this heated, nasty argument. You said this, you said that, you shut me out. It's all, been all about you. And I look and most recently I'm like, it has been about me. I've not done a good job of asking other family members how they're doing, what yeah. they're doing, what their thoughts are, all that. Niece, nephew. I don't know. Because I, I feel like I just, some days, just like shut down and I just can live in and go to that grieving portal. I don't know. It makes sense get the crying out get the crying out okay i'm sick of this i've got a headache i've got Mm -hmm. you know we've got to do something because Mm -hmm. get out of this go do something get distracted now in the early days that was much 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 harder to do but 25 years later still find myself in that allowing myself to go easter doesn't bother me um in the beginning it did of course you know palm sunday bothered me the holidays they still get to me i know you guys have a lot of connections with you know that all happening and her yeah. passing mm-hmm. but that first Christmas I didn't decorate the house my husband went and bought a tree on Christmas Eve we decorated it and immediately the next day I wanted it all gone done back in the box. Yeah I didn't want to look at it I don't want to celebrate it without him and many, many times through the years, my daughter would be the one to decorate the tree because I don't want to do it. Yeah, I don't want to take out his ornaments. I don't want to take out his stocking. I don't want his empty stocking hanging up. I came up with the idea of those people that donated to Give Kids the World that sent you a letter. And I thought, okay, here's what we're going to do. Then one day his stocking is going to be overflowing with all those letters. Well, that's not happening. There's some letters in there but they don't overflow and his definitely just hangs on wall yeah. all day while buddies is down filled with stuff so it's hard in those ugh, just pull it together and just suffer just inside of me of i've got two kids that are here i so still have to be christmas good for them mm-hmm. and i don't know if i have with my daughter is the one when i wear finally empty dusters I'm like who the hell's going to decorate my house i don't want to do it right so we'd still try to still walk one foot in front of the other, feeling like they're in cement, but still trying to move forward of, okay, well, things remembered is associated with make-a-wish. we will do personalized ornaments, even though he's not here. We'll put, uh, uh, you know, things remembered, ornament, you know, for every year and put it on the tree. And so we can see those. I did run across one. I found a picture of him and it was from 1988. And I put it in a photo ornament. And then I was decorating the tree, and then all of a sudden I'm like, "Holy shit, look at this!" So here's a photo of him from 1988, and then one of the kids from 2008, and then another one from 2018. Oh, wow! And I I didn't intend to, but they were all together. Whoa. Look at how much, you know, our family has changed from from 88 to 2018, right? So I will say, though, that my husband and I, he still feels like we were, like, together, together, together until the day he died, and then after that... It's been really, really hard, especially with my parents. You know, we lived with them the first five years of his life. Mm-hmm. And that is different when your grandchild lives with you versus just comes to mm-hmm. visit, I think. Mm-hmm. You've got that strong, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dealing with them and what's next, and they're deep in their grief. And, you know, when you at the beginning talking about next steps there was a point where everybody had left we still had I don't know how many freaky casseroles in the refrigerator and freezer my husband said because for the for two years you know people had been here and there bringing us meals and at one point, my husband said I didn't know there was so many different ways you could make lasagna <laughs> 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 yes <laughs> we'd be happy when somebody threw in I don't know chicken something down. like we're grateful that you're trying to feed us but thank you for another plate of lasagna (laughs) so we had we had easter lilies and other flowers that were dying you know there was a big brown thing at his funeral with a big ribbon and all that's dying we got sympathy cards and we're like we just gotta get out of here Mm -hmm. so we packed car, and as we're driving out of the street I wanted to scream we're leaving him how can we leave the house without him that transition too was hard from being a caregiver you're not a caregiver what are you you've been doing this for two years Yeah. just got in the car and drove we ended up driving to some small little town it was a gambling camp they had a casino there really really small so we stayed there but it was hard it was really hard, but I think overall staying busy is mm-hmm. thing. Somehow, we will continue with our fundraising for Give Kids the World, and we still, when we can, go down donate blood and platelets at the Children's Hospital in Denver. I can tell you, though, that the first going back there to the original, they moved. From Denver to Aurora. So when we had to go back, when I started to donate, when we went back there, it was so hard going back to that hospital. And even years later, when they moved, my daughter had to go when she's a teenager, like you're going to children at I still had this, oh. hmm, hmm. Hey, I go for her. She's got this problem. We've got to go. So we go, and I'm okay until I go into the bathroom. Mm. And then I wash my hands with the soap. I'm like, they have not changed the soap in 20 years. Oh. It's the same, though. It smells the same. It just takes you back to when you had to wash your hands tremendously before going into ICU, mm-hmm. wash your hands tremendously before going into the transplant. Mm-hmm. Smells can really get you yeah. like out of the blue, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're like, holy moly. Sounds so, so I would encourage people that, and I don't know if it's a unique situation, but the one where with our story is, you know, my husband wasn't there when our son was born, but he was there when he took his last breath. And that was very traumatic for him. And he's very much a person to be very, you know, strong, even admitting to me, I don't even know what to say to you. I don't know what to say to you. I don't know what to help you. I want to fix it. But you had feeling like all the focus has been on me as the mother and on him at all, in which he feels kind of resentful, I would say. Mm. Something I still, even 25 years later, really probably need to fix. Wow. Mm-hmm.
1: I appreciate you sharing that because once you get later down into the, the episodes, we talk to mom's husband who shares very much the same sentiments of being on the outside, you know, the care being primarily with the the women and trying to know your place in the family. You know, when especially when you're you're not the biological person because he's my stepdad, he's not uh, my biological father. So it was trying to navigate, you know, the dynamics of family and things like that. So I think it's it's really helpful to recognize the men on this journey as well and I'm hoping that we connect I think a upcoming guest will be a, a dad that we can really dig deep into that, you know, into that journey as well.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah.
1: You covered most questions. So thank you. The, the last thing I really wanted to go over with you is, you know, you sort of shared some words of wisdom. Is there anything else you'd like to share for families 25 years later, looking back on your journey what would you tell yourself going into this journey, things like that?
2: I think if I could go back and tell myself, I was really resistant to counseling. So if I were to go back, I think that I would tell myself to go to the counseling, particularly with my husband. So I think both sides can understand. I thought at the time that... Counseling would not work for me because all I was in search of was to have my stunt back. Mm-hmm. So if yes. you can't do that, be then. There's no reason for us to talk. Yes. See ya. Yes. That that's that's my thoughts. Yes. That's what that I thought at the time. So if I could do differently, I would. I would do that. I also think that you have to realize that you will talk a lot about new normal, and even new normal, I don't even think it's that, because I, even if you have recognized, you know, when your baby has passed, it's been what, five, six years for you, it's different for you today than it was back then, mm-hmm. so things do change, you're not necessarily going to have a new normal, but your, you know, that child will always be with you in your heart, and you will find different ways over the years of having the courage to honor them and everybody does it. It's, it's, it's great to see everybody doing it in a, in a different way. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So you have recognized, Hey, I was going to, I'm at the point where you're like, okay, we're going to the support group, but the kids could be a baby or it was my child that died. And my child was 60. So Mm -hmm. it doesn't really fit. Mm -hmm. Can we narrow that down into a niche? So, um, you know, hats off to you and applaud to you to finding a way
1: to honor your little one with trying to help others. Yes. Thank you very much. We appreciate that.
2: I remember it after we received the prognosis, then I think at that time I must have had some sort of access to the internet. I don't remember. But, you know, we there was these things about grapeseed extract, I believe it was. Grapeseed extract. Yes. That can yes. help cure cancer in dolphins or something ridiculous, whatever. Mm-hmm. So there was, there was that and chamomile tea. So I'm having, okay, drink this, drink this. You know, this is going to be the cure. And he's drinking it and like making faces. I'm like, what? What's funny? He goes, well, this tastes really bad, but I'll do whatever it takes. Oh, and like, oh bless your heart. Yeah. And then also the thought of, again, with regrets, St. Jude. We were given to St. Jude. Why didn't we go to St. Jude? Maybe he would have had a better outcome if we mm, went to St. Yeah. Jude. Right. Did you, did you ever think that?
0: So, so yes, Jess was thinking, she was. I think we just covered that on one of the episodes. Yeah. So Jess, Jess actually talked about going to St. Jude, but the insurance company that we had was actually in contact with the head person from St. Jude. So it saved us us the trip. So that was the only reason why she didn't. But she was sitting there going, yeah, you know what? I think I'm going to do that. But I'll tell you the other thing that she looked into, you said that the grapeseed extract when we were battling they had but i don't think it was in the united states though they had um hospitals that what they did is just uh juicing juicing vegetables and they they were promoting that as a way to cure cancer but they were only accepting patients that had exhausted all resources so then there was no like guarantee but that's like your last thing that you can do and she so, did not.
1: She went on like vitamin C, vitamin C extract, uh-huh, vitamin C extract treatments. Too. I uh-huh. don't even remember what that was. Yeah, either. but they yeah. did. They did some more holistic things because the the modern medicine options were
0: yeah, gone. Yeah, once we yeah once we couldn't do anything but else. I think she also drank like aloe vera and there's a. <laughs> Well, yeah, there was something, there was something that we, that Some I can't remember thing. what it's from, know. but it was almost like it was an extract from a cactus plant or something okay. that they had found that it also helped with getting rid of the cancer cells in your body or something or helping your body help itself, yeah. but you, you, you do would try everything. anything. It didn't matter what it was. We're going to try as long as it's not hurting them. The cactus one was sweet. So even her brother that's not battling was like, let me have some of that. Yeah. And that was okay. But when you're dealing with, you know, this is tasting so nasty, even the trying to juice vegetables, who wants to, I mean, who wants to eat them, let alone in a juice? Yeah. But I don't know. It's really hard. It's yeah. really hard, but you do everything that you can to, to do it. But yes, yeah, St. Jude was in our radar, but once we figured out, you know, what it was going to take, cause she would have to, Move out to their hospital. I think their hospital was in Tennessee. But yeah, but they didn't offer any different treatments. So it was that, that was
1: a, or clinical trials or anything like that. Right. Either. There was so there else. was no reason for us. And they were the head consult doctor. And like, I guess they do like a nationwide call, and they they talk about her case. And that that was he was part of the lead doctor for Wilms. That's at Jude's was part of that conversation. Yeah. So, but yes. I don't know about the place. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's
2: it's hard to do a an autopsy if you will of what you should have done but right. my aunt whose son committed suicide she said look you cannot should on yourself right. stop should, i should have done this i should have done that stop it right i think that's another point of it
1: absolutely uh, yeah
2: don't should don't should on what you did just like Grandma Carmen said, "You did the best you could at that time. Mm-hmm. So now, what are you going to do? Yeah. What are you going to do? I think our purpose in life here is really to help others. Yes. So what are you going to do?
0: Yes, yeah. and
2: that's it. Whether it's for me, it's I'm going to raise funds for Give Kids the World so that they can accept those children. Yeah, with." I remember in one of your episodes, you were talking about Make-A-Wish. And I remember when the early on, they came to me to go, oh, we're going to plan his Make-A-Wish. I said, oh, no, you're not. We're, not. we're not doing a Make-A-Wish. What are you talking about? That's for kids that are dying. Yeah. Are you telling me he's dying? Yeah. No, 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 no. It's for kids with life-threatening illnesses. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh,
1: okay. Yeah. hmm
2: So when you do see those kids there, not all of them have been given that prognosis of one day to one year to live. It could be that, you know, they've had these life-threatening or continue to have a life-threatening illness. I'll leave with one conversation that I had with a mom there when we were working, we were volunteering. We were in the Boston Market restaurant thing, just working there. We never cooked the food. Only the people that they had hired cooked the food, but we could put the food together in bags. Mm-hmm. And if it was a delivery, somebody called from their villa and said, hey, I'd like, you know, whatever. Chicken, meatloaf, mashed potatoes, green beans, blah, 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 deliver it. So we'd bag it up and we would deliver it. Or you could just come up and place your order and what have you. So this mom, she she placed her order and we said, you know, once we bag it's ready, once the food's ready, we're waiting for it to be cooked. So she was saying, I'm here with my seven-year-old son. And he has failure to thrive. And doctors cannot figure out why he's not growing and he's going to die.
0: Oh, my gosh.
2: And I am trying to keep it together, Mm -hmm. just listening to her. So I told her, here's what you should do. I said, all you can do is the time you're here is make sure that he has the best possible time. And when you get back home, write down your experiences. Write it all down, so that you can look at it after he has passed. He just just broke my heart. Yeah. Even though my child has passed, and I was told that he was going by, just hearing somebody else being told that their child is going, and I still kills me. Oh yeah. And I also think about this is how I kind of deal with things, maybe in a kind of weird way of. Oh, it could be worse. Uh, It could be worse. Oh, geez, my so-and-so, they died in a, their child died in a car accident. this did happen to our family. I'm like, okay. And I've always had this, but it, like, uh, debate in my mind. What is worse? If your child was going to die, would you want to know or not?
0: Oh, that was a discussion we had, yeah. That's on a recording. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Do you want to know or do you want to know? And how do you handle that? You know, because this person didn't know. And then their child is gone, and you had no opportunity to say goodbye. I'm like, that's worse than me. So that's kind of how I cope sometimes, too. There was a, shortly after Ryan died, there was an article in the paper where this family was rear-ended. Their three kids in their minivan were reared by a semi, and all three kids died.
0: Oh, God. What? Mm-hmm.
2: Now, other people might look at, okay, well, you knew your child was going to die, and you couldn't do anything about it. Right. I think that's worse.
1: Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Well, Roxanne... It has been an absolute pleasure meeting you and hearing your story and learning about Ryan. We're going to wrap this up, but how do we support Give Kids the World? How do we go and support your team? Tell us how we can do that.
2: Oh, I am so happy you asked. And again, it was like, do I ask them or not? (laughs) Absolutely.
1: I will
2: send you the link to our fundraising page for the gingerbread run that will be held in uh november so i will be starting my fundraising for it so i'm happy to send you the link you can post it on your page to help support i would be grateful
1: whatever we can do to help support it we'll do it yes perfect absolutely. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, yeah we yeah. can I'll do so that that's you your question on social media share with friends and family whatever you would
1: like thank you thank you thank you for doing this we'll get out whatever social media stuff we can to support you and your fundraising efforts and i think that's it all right see you we'll see you on the next one bye
0: love you